Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. Great to join you. It is Friday night. It is December the 23rd, 2022. 2022 is wrapping up. Uh, this is it, the final week of, uh, of this entire year. And uh, goodness gracious, there is so much to talk about. But I want to start out by wishing those who celebrate a very happy Hanukkah two days from now. Merry Christmas to all who celebrate Christmas. New Year's is a week away. Uh, It's supposed to be a joyous time of year, and I hope it is for you and those who are important to you in your lives. Uh, At the end of the day, as the Founding Fathers said, we should be able to pursue uh, freedom and the pursuit of happiness, whatever that means, provided we don't hurt someone else in the process. Uh, Unfortunately, there are too many people today who don't care about the damage they do to anyone else as long as their selfish, egocentric needs are met. The super wealthy and, and, and so forth. <clears throat> and, and the very wealthy, with a few exceptions perhaps, are con artists. Um, you know, um, I, I've heard comedians say, show me great wealth, I will show you great evidence of a serious crime. And I think it was Chris Rock, in fact, who had said that during one of his routines. Um, And by the way, I'm a capitalist. I have no problem with people earning money honestly and then pursuing whatever their dreams are. But it would be nice if among our dreams was a desire to be benevolent, to be decent to our fellow human beings. Uh, And you don't measure a person's worth by the size of their bank account. Um, we could see that in the cryptocurrency scandal and Madoff and, and in all these others, the manipulators, the thieves, the con artists, who've done tremendous damage, not by earning an honest living, but by swindling people. And we're being swindled now, I believe, by our own political leaders in this country, and it's both parties. Let's be very clear about this. Anybody who thinks, well, thank God Congress has adjourned The Democrats are no longer in control of the House. Thank God. Now we can go back to reading newspapers if we do that arcane activity uh, or or playing video games. Uh, No, no, not at all. Both political parties are being run by globalists. I was watching a news program just a couple days ago, and this I believe it was Fox or perhaps Newsmax. I've been on Newsmax quite frequently. I tend to enjoy watching Newsmax quite a bit, in fact, not just because I'm on with them, but uh, I think they do a good job. Uh, but, but I think it was Fox News, and they were questioning if so many Americans think there's a crisis on the border, and the focus was on how the American people are being misled, so that only a few people, percentage-wise, thought that we've had more than, than 500,000 illegal aliens cross the border, when in reality, it's millions. And as soon as the people were shown that, that they questioned, they said, oh, my God, how many people? And when that happened, 79%, I think, was the number. 79% of those surveyed, once they were given the actual numbers, said, no, this is a crisis. 
and they must continue Title 42, and we've got to secure the border, and on and on and on. And, and one of the people on the program said, well, it's so clear that we know what the American people want. Why aren't the politicians willing to deliver it? And I heard that question. And I asked myself, is this guy a complete fool or is he another con artist? I mean, why is the government not doing what the people want? When was the last time our politicians gave a flying leap about what Americans want? When was the last time you heard a journalist at the White House or at any other press briefing for any other politician on any level of government? When was the last time you heard a very simple question? I call it the art of the question. The fundamental question that should be the leading question at every news conference, I've never heard it asked. Think about that. You know what the question is? How are these policies, open borders, legalized drugs, whatever you want to talk about, how is this good news for the average American and the average American family? Simple question. If ours is supposed to be, as Abraham Lincoln aspired to in his Gettysburg Address, create a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, what's in the best interest of the people should be number one priority for our alleged leaders. Is that an unreasonable concept? When was the last time someone sitting in a White House briefing room turned to the president or turned to his press secretary and asked the fundamental questions? How is it in Americans' best interest to flood America with millions of people who are not being properly vetted who are overwhelming everything. I think last week, and I'm going to to keep mentioning these things, because I want everyone to get the message. I think sometimes repetition is helpful because it forces people to listen and, 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 and let it sink in. There is a serious drought in the western half of the United States, very serious drought. Livestock being put down in Texas because there's no water. They can't water the crops. Big problem. Rivers are drying up where the water is down to the riverbed. They're finding dead bodies, car wrecks, you name it, because the water is gone. What used to be a river is now a a rut in the ground. That's how serious this is. And I know there are people that are going to start ranting and raving about climate change. Well, the climate's always changing. I don't think this is so much a function of human activity, although we should clean up our act. Uh, By the way, an interesting article, disturbing article, about how we get cobalt out of Africa and the people that mine the cobalt, among them are children, being paid the incredible sum of $1 a day to risk their lives and sweat like crazy and get injured and die in cave-ins for a dollar a day to mine the cobalt that we need for the electric batteries for the cars and for our computers and our telephones. Nobody wants to talk about that. Everyone's an environmentalist. Oh, my God, we're burning fossil fuels. The fact that we're killing how many people, especially poor people, around the world so you can have your fancy new phone that shines brightly when you take it out of the box that looks like a jewelry box, even though it's made out of cardboard, which maybe is a good analog for what it is, right? You buy that phone that it looks so incredible, Apple iPhone. Oh, my God, the box is meticulously prepared, and it's pristine white. It looks sterilized, right? How much suffering went in? the materials used in that phone. Think about the cobalt, just for starters. But nobody wants to talk about that. 
but everybody's an environmentalist. Well, whatever the cause of the drought, you can't dispute that there's a drought. All right? We can have the debates about why. But let's for right now just focus on what we're dealing with, and it's a massive drought of historic proportions. Every person here needs 100 gallons of water a day. Sanitary purposes, you know, showering, flushing the toilet, washing your hands, cooking, drinking, etc. 100 gallons of water. It's been said that the Biden administration has allowed in 5 million illegal aliens. I don't know what the numbers are. Everyone's so fixated on numbers. It only took 19 hijackers on 9-11 to kill more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. But everybody wants a box score. And everyone thinks, well, the more people that we arrest, the better we're doing. It's, these numbers are weird, the way they're being misinterpreted by the talking heads who are either clueless or con artists is incredible. But let's go with the 5 million number. 5 million people are here who shouldn't be here, okay? We don't know who they are, and we're going to talk a little bit about that also. Uh, and they're having a huge impact on our country, not just the border. They've been scattered across the United States, and every one of them needs electricity and food and shelter and transportation, and if they're children, education and health care and so forth, and they need water. So if there are 5 million people here who should not be here, those 5 million every single day, day in, day out, are consuming 500 million gallons of water per day. 500 million, one half billion gallons of water per day going away because of people who should not be here. If you're an environmentalist, why aren't you jumping up and down and screaming about the damage that that does to the environment? It's outrageous. And as we stop watering the shrubs and the trees, you know, trees are the lungs of the planet. I'm sure you learned that back in school. Trees through photosynthesis and other green plants through photosynthesis take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and break it down and create carbohydrates, the food that the plant needs to have energy and to grow, right? So every tree is a machine, basically, that removes carbon dioxide from the atmosphere if you buy into the climate change theory. And it's only a theory, okay? We can't water the trees. Forests are dying. Entire forests are now dying because of a lack of water. But the Biden administration has brought in consumers of water to the tune that perhaps 500 million gallons of water per day are being consumed. Interesting fact, interesting factoid, something to think about, something to talk about when you sit down with your friends who think that what's happening is acceptable. But increasingly, of course, people don't think it's acceptable. And then Fox News was talking about how a survey was done, and so many people think that the numbers were much smaller, and when they were given the true numbers, they went crazy and had a meltdown. And then you hear the story about Twitter being given money by the FBI, over $3 million, to twist the way they provide information on the platform. Censorship by the FBI, the Ministry of Truth, straight out of George Orwell. In just a few short years, This country has flipped itself upside down and inside out, and the consequences are severe. It's costing millions of people their lives. Every year, as of late, 
we're told that over 100,000 people are dying of drug overdoses. And it's amazing. Apple won't allow um, backdoors so that even with a subpoena or a warrant, the FBI or other law enforcement agencies cannot get into the databases to see where the bad guys are communicating. As a federal agent, I was part of the drug task force as an INS agent. I was with DEA intelligence for four years. I spent the next 10 years with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. We would routinely issue warrants to get phone records for various organizations and individuals. We would establish wiretaps to listen to the bad guys so that we knew how the drugs were being moved, the wiretaps were being used against terrorists and so forth. And Apple says, oh, no, 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 no. We prize the privacy of our customers above everything including U.S. national security, so we're not going to cooperate. Go to hell. And that's acceptable somehow. There was just an article about how children are, are, are using social media uh, in order to purchase drugs that are killing them. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond belief. It's beyond belief. So we have tyranny, tyranny at the hands of corporate America, the social media, look at what was going on, more revelations from Facebook, quite amazing. Uh, in fact, there was just an article at AOL, and the title of the article just published uh, this morning, Group Urges the Feds to Investigate Snapchat Over Fentanyl Sales. Children, teenagers are going to Snapchat, and they're purchasing drugs from Snapchat, and they're dying. Because Snapchat apparently eradicates communications after a very short period of time. So there's, there's no trail to follow. There is no trail. It's the ideal way for drug dealers, terrorists, and criminals to communicate and plan their strategies, and we are flying blind in a storm. And this is now the new normal. And you have the Democrat Party across the country legalizing dangerous drugs, even if they're illegal, there's an experiment in Oregon. Let's not arrest anybody for personal use heroin. Look, I don't know what the solution is to drug use. I, 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 it blows my mind. I, I never understood people using drugs or getting drunk to deal with, with family situations. With, you know, we, we all go through hell. My, my dad, may rest in peace, used to say to me, Mike, if you could hang your problems on a clothesline and all of our neighbors could hang out their problems on a clothesline, Bad as your situation might be in your mind, when you saw some of the other clotheslines and some of the other issues that were confronting our neighbors, you'd probably come back to your own clothesline rather than take on the challenges that other people face. One of my favorite bumper stickers says, be kind to the people you meet. You don't know the battles they're fighting. But we have become a drug culture society. Not good. Not good. Turn on the television. It seems as though half the commercials are selling drugs that will cure whatever it is, and then they go through at, night, at, at warp speed what the drug might cause to happen to you. You know, your eyeballs might fall off and, and, and your ears might pop off your head, and ultimately you might stop breathing, but we can take care of your wrinkles or we can take care of that runny nose, whatever. The, so the message is clear. A, remember when Apple came out with the iPhone, they said there's an app for that. Now it's like there's a med or there's a pill for that. And then the other commercials are the commercials by the law firms that offered to help you 
sue the company that sold you the drugs that killed your parents or, or left you paralyzed. This is madness. This is madness. I, I don't know of too many other countries. I think there might be one or two other supposedly civilized countries where you could sell pharmaceuticals that way. We're not talking aspirin or toothpaste or, 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 or a cure for athlete's foot. We're talking about prescription drugs. This is nuts. But it, it, the message is clear to our children. You have many kids who don't have family with them when they come home from school, these so-called, we used to call them latchkey children. They have the key. They go home. They turn on the TV. Hopefully they do their homework. <clears throat> and they turn on the television, and the message is clear. If you have a problem, drugs are the solution. And, and, and look at the results. 100,000 dead to drug poisoning. I don't call it overdoses. Many of these kids think they bought a legitimate drug, and I don't want to know where the parents are. I mean, my goodness, I, I have four kids. They're adults now. Uh, my wife and I are very blessed. They all graduated with honors. Three of my kids are married. They've given us amazing grandchildren. Um, two of my kids are engineers. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't tell you. That's what makes me proud. As people say, you're proud that you were an agent. I say, yes, I was proud of my career. But what is, to me, my greatest source of pride are my children. I mean, if you're going to have children, then we have a lifetime responsibility. And if you look at what's going on in the lunatic-left cities, those politicians are doing everything in their power to sever the relationship between children and their parents, right? Go to a school board meeting and question the curriculum, you're liable to be labeled a terrorist by the FBI. What is that about? I was the parent association president of my daughter's public school, and we tried to do everything possible to involve the parents in the education of their own children. That bond between parent and child is critical to a positive outcome. Most children that grow up in what used to be called broken homes, I don't know what these idiots would call them, successful homes maybe today with what their goals seem to be. Uh, but most children that don't have a stable family life start out at an extreme disadvantage. So we have all the lunacy going on in the world with our kids, with the schools, with the drugs, with censorship, and so many Americans are falling victim to the con jobs. And I will tell you that stupidity is not a victimless crime. We're all paying the price for the stupidity of our neighbors, people who can't read through the lies being told to them by the politicians. They want to believe in a politician. Oh, he's telling the truth. He can't possibly be lying. And then they don't know who to vote for or what to vote for. Um, the other side did a really great job of, of character assassination on Donald Trump. And I'm not going to tell you I agreed with everything Trump did. I didn't. I don't agree with anybody 100% of the time. I don't even agree with me 100% of the time. But Donald Trump was the first president in how long to say, look, we've got to secure the border. But, of course, immigration is about a lot more than that Mexican border. The biggest issue that was ignored by everybody by design is interior enforcement. But at least Trump identified the issue that we've got to figure out who's coming in and stop the bad guys from coming here. We've got to do what we have to do to fight the drugs. We have to do what we have to do to combat China's growing influence in the United States. Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education under Trump, identified over $6 billion in money that was going into American universities from China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and other countries that are not our friends. Don't be delusional. They're not our friends. And they were pumping, and this is the unreported money. There was much more than that. 
but unreported $6 billion, if I remember the number correctly. And why do they do it? To alter the curriculum at the universities to bring in their own students so they can educate their engineers to build up their military that they now wave in our face every time they try to exert supremacy in the South China Sea and elsewhere. And to also change the members of the faculty. This is a way of influencing American people to hate their own country <clears throat> by getting into the school system, by getting into the curriculum, by getting into the school books, and weakening America, and it's being done by our adversaries that we invite into the United States. And it was Trump who stood up and said, no, this has to stop. So on so many levels, Donald Trump was messing with the successful, the idiot thought, programs they had in place that were rewarding them but undermining America. And the American people bought it. <clears throat> you know, if, if Trump wanted it, it had to be evil. Instead of looking at the issues and saying, look, I don't like Donald Trump as a person, but his policies make sense. Whatever, however you want to divide it up. No, what they succeeded in doing by this concerted effort was character assassination. And the bigger target wasn't just Trump, but his policies his anti-globalist policies. Every time Trump went to the U.N. and said the S-word, leaders around the world would, would shake in their boots. And what was the S-word? Sovereignty. Countries are entitled to sovereign borders to determine their own destiny. You have a right as an American in this country to lock your door at night to keep out people who might want to hurt you. America has the right and the imperative in point of fact to keep out foreign nationals who want to hurt us. What a radical thought. You know, I've testified before numerous congressional hearings. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. There were some very good people in Washington way back when who were very clear about it. I remember testifying for John Hostetler. John um, is a Republican from Indiana. He was the chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee in the House of Representatives. And on March the 10th, 2005, I participated in a hearing on Interior Immigration Enforcement Resources. And John Hostetler was very clear about it, and he in fact quoted a, a portion of a report that I myself have frequently quoted. So, so let me read a little bit of what he had to say at the hearing. Last week, this subcommittee reviewed the lack of adequate resources to secure our national borders, plural folks, not just the Mexican border, that's all we're hearing about, Mexican, Mexican, Mexican. No. We are a country of 50 border states. And now they're using that phrase because aliens are moving around the country, so they come through the Mexican border and they're shipping them to New York and elsewhere. That's not why this is a country of 50 border states. It's another lie and another scam being foisted on us by the politicians from both parties. I, have a long time ago, made the point that this is a country of 50 border states because aliens are able to enter the country and contraband is able to enter the country across the northern border, the Canadian border, across our 95,000 miles of coastline, through international airports, at unauthorized landing strips, and yes, of course, there's the southern border. That's why we're a nation of 50 border states. Not because aliens who run the Mexican border may go to Chicago, and they do, but because Chicago has international airports, okay? That's why. So, we are a nation of 50 border states. Any state that has an international airport, any state 
that has access to the northern or southern borders. Any state that has access to America's 95,000 miles of meandering coastline are all border states. So who are we leaving out? But no one wants to talk about the various ways that aliens can gain entry into the country, including terrorists, drug dealers, and contraband. It's a scam. It's a lie. People are dying, and the politicians don't care. You really have to wonder how much money is being pumped into political campaigns by the funeral industry. Because boy, oh boy, oh boy, under the Democrat Party, did I say Democrat? I meant to say Democrat Party, forgive me. Under the Democrat Party, with all the drugs flowing freely, and with very little resistance, truthfully, coming from the Republicans, we have record levels of death in America today, and a lot of the people dying are children. This is beyond a tragedy. It's an attack on America, an attack on America, an attack on American citizens and American children. And what are we doing about it? Bupkis. Crickets. One woman in this article about Snapchat said, we had no idea. Well, if the Republicans are serious and not liars, I don't trust anybody who's elected to office, to be honest with you, and I don't care if you're a dog catcher. You had to make a deal with someone to get into that situation to run, right? I'm not that stupid. and we None of us should be that stupid. But if the Republicans really cared, why aren't they spending some of that campaign money that's probably sitting around in a desk drawer somewhere and paying for public service announcements every 30 minutes, warning about Snapchat, warning about drugs, talking about children, and explain to the parents <clears throat> that no child, no child under any circumstances should be taking anything that they think is a drug, medicine, or whatever unless the parent gives it to them specifically or the school nurse gives it to them specifically. Don't tell me you went to Charlie and Charlie said, oh, how would you like a pill if you have a head cold? I got a good pill. No, you don't take anything from anyone else. My children were given, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a darn bulletproof, ironclad, you know, you don't take anything from anyone unless I give it to you or your mother gives it to you, period, full stop, no conversation. If I didn't give it to you, your mother didn't give it to you, you don't take it, period. It's lacking. There are parents that don't know how to be parents. They want to be their kids' best friends. A 12-year-old doesn't need a best friend. They need a mother and a father. And for a while, I was a single parent. My first wife died when my, young, my oldest son was was a baby. And I can tell you, it's a challenge to be a single parent. But I've been there and done that. I know what this is all about. I'm speaking from personal experience, not conjecture. Not because a hair grew out of my left ear. And I think I know what I'm talking about. Parenting is a full-time difficult job. It's the toughest job, the most important job you'll ever have. But my goodness gracious, why aren't these supposed politicians that are concerned about us not going out there and saying, look, we're going to run ads. They did it to cigarette smoke. I can't watch the cigarette commercials. The people that have had the tracheotomies and they've had their larynxes removed because of lung cancer and throat cancer. My dad died of lung cancer. I can't watch those commercials. They're graphic. They are shocking. They are horrifying. And they are very effective. Most people don't smoke today. We could do the same thing with drugs if the politicians really cared. I don't think they give a rat's tail because all of that drug money, boys and girls, is being laundered through banking, through Wall Street, through real estate, through high-end auto sales, high-end jewelry. This economy is floating on drug money. That's what you're witnessing. 
an economy that is floating on drug. And, and what are we doing about that? Upkiss. Upkiss. Because, you know, when, that, when those people on Fox News, I believe it was, were questioning if the American people want the border secure, why isn't it being done? I, I wanted to scream at the TV, you blithering idiots, you liars, you clowns. You know why it's not being done? Because the politicians don't care what the American people want. We are speed bumps to these characters. The only opinion that matters to them is the opinions of the people that write the checks that bribe them. Did I say bribe? I mean campaign contributions. I have a problem with language. This is an employer-employee relationship. The employer is the person who writes the check, the lobbyists and the special interest groups, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, the pharmaceutical industry, religious organizations, and so forth. That's why. That's why. They don't care what the American people think. The American people go into a voting booth, it's heads they lose and tails the bad guys win. Okay? There are no winning choices most of the time when you go to vote. It's a choice, as I once said, between cancer and a heart attack when you go vote. I was asked, are you going to vote for Obama or McCain? And that was my answer way back when, when McCain was running against Obama. I said, what a choice, cancer or a heart attack. Wow, how lucky am I? And the host on the radio program laughed, but I wasn't laughing. It wasn't a joke. It's a sad commentary. So John Hostetler, um, there were a couple of hearings in question here, but at this one hearing, this is what he had to say. Um, let me go back to that. Last week, this subcommittee, that's the Immigration Subcommittee in the House, reviewed the lack of adequate resources to secure our national borders against the entry of criminals, gangs, terrorists, and other lawbreakers. But what resources have we committed to finding and removing such aliens who are already living among us That is the subject of today's hearing. And that hearing was on interior immigration enforcement resources, something that I've been jumping up and down about forever because that's the job that I did for 26 years as an immigration agent. All we hear about is the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol, and the Border Patrol. But once aliens get past the Border Patrol or an alien who enters through an international airport or seaport, have no involvement with the Border Patrol. The Border Patrol has no involvement with them. Once in the United States, the people that are supposed to find the illegals are the ICE agents, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the job I did, as I say, for 26 years. They were also supposed to investigate immigration fraud. If people get married, they don't live together. It's just to give the alien a green card. That's what ICE does. If a company applies for visas for foreign workers, and ignores the fact that Americans could have done the job or lawful immigrants who are already here could do the job. That's something that immigration agents are supposed to investigate. If there's a school that's not really a school but a, but a diploma mill that allows aliens in if they pay a tuition, that's something that immigration agents do. The Joint Terrorism Task Force has ICE agents on board. The Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, where I spent the final 10 years of my 30-year career with the INS, that's where I was assigned Uh, as an immigration agent, okay? The Violent Gang Task Force has immigration agents on board, you see? When was the last time you heard about any of those activities by the talking heads in the news media? 
the 12th of never, perhaps, the 31st of February, maybe. No, Border Patrol, Border Patrol, Border Patrol. We've got to stop the numbers. The numbers are up. More people coming. The numbers are up. They're being processed. Wait a minute. What do you mean they're being processed? Has anyone even questioned what that means? What's the process? How much effort is being made to process illegal aliens entering the United States who shouldn't be here? What is being done to identify them? Are they running fingerprints or other biometrics? If so, through what databases? If not, why not? Are they simply telling somebody, write your name on a piece of paper, we'll take a picture, we'll call it a process, and three minutes later you're on your way? There was recently an article that was published that said ICE lost track of a couple hundred thousand illegal aliens. A couple hundred thousand, well, just a couple hundred thousand. And then we come back to 9-11, where 19 terrorists did all the damage. 19. Oops, we lost a couple hundred thousand. Ah, you know, no one's perfect, right? This is only the, the government. Seriously? But we hear nothing about interior enforcement. John Hostetler, by the way, ultimately found that the Republicans defunded his campaign. I never got a straight answer as to why, but I wouldn't doubt for a human heartbeat that it's because he took on immigration the right way. I went and campaigned for John in Indiana because he had no money for the campaign. That's what happens in politics. They kneecap a politician that's not playing by the rules of the whip or the majority leader by defunding their campaign. So when Trump walked in and said, I've got my own money, they freaked out because they couldn't buy him. Uh-oh. And I'm not saying the politicians like Hostetler were being bought. He wasn't. John Hostetler was as straight as an arrow, which is why I campaigned for him. And by the way, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. But the Democrats are not Democrats. People say, Mike, how could you be a Democrat? The Democrats used to be strongest on immigration because they were the ones that were concerned about the jobs and wages of Americans. And you know the old story. The Republicans wanted the cheap labor for their constituents, so it was easy to be a Democrat. These aren't Democrats. They're fascists. They're totalitarians. They're anything but liberal. Liberal means you accept the fact that other people have different ideas and everyone's entitled to be heard in the public square. Right? That's what the First Amendment is about. Not what the Democrats are about anymore, folks. Oh, no, they'll shut you down. They will cancel you. They will cancel you. And then Hostetler went on and said this, quoting from the report. The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel stated that it had identified numerous entry and embedding tactics associated with earlier attacks in the United States and that prior to 9-11, quote, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity, a lack of interior enforcement. When was the last time you heard anybody from either party stand up and say, we need more resources for interior enforcement? The Biden administration has allowed millions of illegal aliens into the United States, and they've dispersed them across the country. What is the Border Patrol going to do about it? What is the mission of the Border Patrol? Interdiction, which means they are at the border to try to prevent people from evading the entry process at ports of entry. Once you get past the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol has no mission. They have nothing to do with this. It's ICE that's supposed to do the job. And because of the way that George W. Bush put immigration together under DHS, 
he absolutely nuked the entire immigration system. In fact, there was another hearing that John Hostetler officiated at. I testified at this hearing as well. This was on May the 5th, 2005, the new dual missions of the immigration enforcement agencies. And what did Hostetler have to say? The first two subcommittee hearings of the year examined in detail how the immigration enforcement agencies have inadequate resources and too few personnel to carry out their mission. The witnesses mentioned the lack of uniforms, badges, attention space, and the inevitable low morale of frontline agents who are overwhelmed by the sheer volume of incoming illegal aliens. And by the way, folks, the numbers then were minuscule compared to what Biden has done to this country. Minuscule, tiny, teeny weeny tiny compared to where we are now. But even back then, we were overwhelmed. And then he went on, Host Stetler went on and said, if this were not enough, the new immigration enforcement agencies also face internal confusion resulting from dual or multiple missions in which immigration is all too often taken a back seat. Sadly, contrary to Congress's expectations, immigration enforcement has not been the primary focus of either of these two agencies, meaning ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or EBP, Customs and Border Protection, okay? And he said that, and that is the subject of today's hearing. And he went on and said the Homeland Security Act enacted in November 2002 split the former Immigration and Naturalization Service of the INS into separate immigration service and enforcement agencies, both within the Department of Homeland Security. This split had been pursued by Chairman Sensenbrenner. At the time, Sensenbrenner was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which had ultimate oversight over immigration, among other agencies, such as the FBI and the Marshals and DEA and so forth, right? So, pursued by Chairman Sensenbrenner, based on testimony and evidence that the dual missions of the INS had resulted in poor performance. There was a constant tug of war between providing good service to law-abiding aliens and enforcing the law against the lawbreakers. The plain language of the Homeland Security Act creates a Bureau of Border Security and specifically transfers all immigration enforcement functions of the INS into it. Yet when it came down to actually creating the two new agencies, the administration, and that's the George W. Bush administration, folks, think of the integrity of John Hostetler speaking out publicly, forcefully, and unequivocally about a Republican administration when he himself was a Republican, right? So he says that when it came down to actually creating the two new agencies, the administration veered off course. Although the service functions of the INS were transferred to USCIS, Citizenship and Immigration Services, the enforcement side of the INS was split into what is now Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, to handle interior enforcement and Customs and Border Protection to guard our borders. ICE was given all of the customs agents, investigators, intelligence analysts from the Treasury Department, as well as the Federal Protective Service to guard federal buildings and the federal air marshals to protect our airplanes, and finally, the INS investigators. CBP was given all Treasury customs inspectors and ports of entry, agriculture inspectors from the Department of Agriculture, and INS inspectors. At no time during the reorganization planning was it anticipated by the committee, meaning the Judiciary Committee, that an immigration enforcement agency would share its role with other enforcement functions, such as the enforcement of our customs laws. This simply results in the creation of dual or multiple missions that the Act sought to avoid in the first place. Failure to adhere to the statutory framework established by the Homeland Security Act has produced immigration enforcement incoherence that undermines the immigration enforcement mission central to DHS and undermines the security of our nation's borders and our citizens. 
It is not certain on what basis it was determined that Customs and Agriculture Enforcement should become part of the Immigration Enforcement Agency, except to require federal agents at the border to have more expertise and more function. It is also unknown on what basis the federal air marshal should become part of this agency, especially since it has been revealed that the pol their policy is to not apprehend out-of-immigration status aliens who are discovered on flights. If the mission of the Department of Homeland Security is to protect the homeland, it cannot affect its mission by compromising or neglecting immigration enforcement for customs enforcement. Now listen to this sentence coming up. This is again John Hostetler at that hearing. The 9-11 terrorists all came to the United States without weapons or contraband. Added customs enforcement would not have stopped 9-11 from happening. What might have foiled Al-Qaeda's plan was additional immigration-focused vetting and enforcement. And so what is needed is the recognition that, one, immigration is a very important national security issue that cannot take a backseat to customs or agriculture. Two, immigration is, immigration is a very complex issue, and immigration enforcement agencies need experts in immigration enforcement. And three, the leadership of our immigration agencies should be shielded from political pressures to act in a way which could compromise the nation's security. While I'm grateful to the service and good work of the heads of immigration agencies, some of whom are leaving presently for other experiences in government, I would urge the administration, again, that's the Bush administration in the future, to place the leadership of immigration agencies in the hands of those experienced in immigration matters, because almost everybody that Bush put into a leadership position at DHS had zero experience with immigration. We have about 6,000 ICE agents, and you've heard what ICE is all about. There's so many areas of responsibility that if you're lucky, there's about 2,000 immigration agents for the entire, entire United States of America. And I remember a number of years ago doing a little bit of research, and I went crazy because while there were 2,000 ICE agents doing immigration work, we had 45,000 people at TSA, and I think it was 1.8 million members of the armed forces, but 2,000 ICE agents for the entire country to conduct investigations into criminal aliens, the employment of aliens, immigration fraud, participate in the processing of aliens in prisons, to uh, work on the Joint Terrorism Task Force, the Violent Gang Task Force, and the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. 2,000 agents for the whole country. By the way, at the time, the New York City Police Department had about 38,000 police officers just for the little city of New York, while we had 2,000 ICE agents for the whole country doing immigration work. And that was under Bush. So if you think now that the Republicans have the majority in Congress, we can relax, no, 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 no. We need to reach out to these elected officials, especially the newbies, and say to them, hey, listen, there's an election coming in two years. You're gearing up for your next run because they sooner, no sooner get elected than they're running again. The next president of the United States needs to understand interior enforcement. And if they don't want to talk about it, then we damn well better. And we need to bombard them with phone calls and emails. We need to attend town hall meetings. And when they say we're going to secure the border, then you're going to say, now what are you going to do about the millions who are already inside the United States because the Border Patrol has nothing to do with that? <clears throat> Believe it or not, even Sheila Jackson 
Lee understood the significance of interior enforcement. In fact, I was her witness at two hearings. Maybe you remember this if you've been a regular listener or not. But back in March of 2002, it was discovered to everyone's shock and horror. You heard a shock and awe. This was shock and horror that two of the dead terrorists, two dirtbags, Mohammed Atta and Marwan al-Shahi, they were in the cockpits of the two planes that sliced into the two trade center towers in lower Manhattan. Atta was the ringleader. Both of them, six months to the day after the attack, had been granted authorization to attend flight school in Florida. It was stunning. Gila Jackson Lee, in conjunction with Jim Sensenbrenner, called me to be one of the four witnesses to testify at that hearing. I also was Sheila's witness on a hearing about immigration fraud and visa fraud, again, because of the terror attacks that were carried out not only on 9-11 but before 9-11. Because that's how you get into the country. With all the talk about what's happening on the Mexican border, I'd like to know how many people are getting visas to enter the United States legally through ports of entry under the Biden administration because – Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of DHS, when he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services for Barack Obama, ordered his adjudicators to approve every application that landed on their desks. He said to them, I don't care what you have to do, but you better get to yes. And when people did not get to yes, they got demoted or fired or moved around or punished. Even though the 9-11 Commission identified immigration fraud, people lying on those applications as the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. Okay? So, understand the problem. We keep hearing about the Mexican border. Don't misunderstand me. It's a huge problem. And no one's even talking about how Hezbollah, according to public testimony back in 2018 at a congressional hearing on terrorism, Hezbollah is working with the drug cartels and the human traffickers to move massive quantities of narcotics into the United States and aliens, including sleeper agents, terrorists. So why no one's mentioning that is beyond me. So the Mexican border is important, but it's only one hole in the bottom of our boat, and our boat has lots of holes in it. I'd like to know who's getting visas. Is anyone talking about that anywhere that you're aware of? What effort is being done to vet people who apply for U.S. citizenship? When our special forces took down bin Laden, they found in his library, in his compound, among other documents, a copy of the 9-11 Commission report and an application for U.S. citizenship. And if you go through the materials about many of the terrorists that we've arrested, most of them had acquired U.S. citizenship per the directions of their handlers overseas who said, do whatever you have to do to get lawful immigrant status and get a U.S. passport. Because once you have a U.S. passport, you can move around the world swapping one passport for the other, and by doing that, you can cover your tracks. The Trump administration, by the way, created a task force to uncover people that committed fraud in applications of citizenship, recognizing the national security threat. Mayorkas last year said that under him, the Department of Homeland Security, if they found evidence of people lying on applications for citizenship, guess what? They will take absolutely no action, whatever, period, full stop, We don't care. It's okay because they're Americans and they deserve 100% protection from the government. Against what? Prosecution for committing a felony? Well, we know that that felony 
is associated with how terrorists operate, but he actually said it. We will take no action against people who lie to get U.S. citizenship. We will do everything we have to do to protect them and let them know that we value them. We value the terrorists, boys and girls. If I sound aggravated and angry, I am. And if you're not angry, then I want you to make sure you can still fog a damn mirror. There's been open invitations for massive fraud. Sheila Jackson Lee was outraged, and I was at this hearing, and I was outraged. This is the one on interior enforcement resources, because I was called up by the subcommittee, and they said, do you know, or acted by the House Judiciary, they said, do you know we gave Bush, George W. Bush, enough money to hire 800 new ICE agents? I said, that's a low number. They said, well, it should have been bigger, but he cut the 800 down to 143 for this year, each of the next four years. We gave him enough money to hire 2,000 more Border Patrol agents this year, each of the next four years, and he cut that number down to 210. We gave him enough money, and and I I forget the exact number. I think it was for something like 8,000 detention beds, and he cut that down to 1,800 beds. And I went nuts, and I said, why? And there was no answer. He just decided that's the way it is. Let me tell you what Sheila Jackson Lee had to say, because she was actually as outraged as I was. Jackson Lee starts out saying, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, because he had just introduced her. Let me welcome the witnesses and as well welcome new members of the committee, particularly those on the minority side, meaning the Democrats at that time. We welcome, as the chairman has done, those who have been added on the majority side. We have had a new series of hearings on how we can do better. And frankly, we've also had a series of hearings that would point out the system. Today we talk about ICE functions and the Bureau of Immigration and Customs Enforcement that was merged at merged investigative functions, the former INS and Customs Service. Yesterday in Homeland Security, we had an opportunity as well to listen to the questions being raised as to whether or not we should re-engage these two entities under one or whether or not the idea of enforcement inside the United States and enforcement at the border should be as one, which is something that I called for. I called the Immigration Enforcement Tripod, okay? Frankly, Mr. Chairman, I think that in light of the needed requirements to up it, if you will, to ratchet up protecting this nation, this is Sheila Jackson Lee, I think we should leave no stone unturned in how we could be more effective in doing that. So this is a particularly important hearing as we address the question of whether or not we have the appropriate resources. Stunning, isn't it? It gets better. The Bureau of Immigration and Customs Enforcement merged the investigative function of the former INS and Customs, um, the INS detention and removal functions, most of the INS intelligence operations, and went on and on and on. Um, And she then said, ICE's areas of responsibility include the enforcement of laws dealing with the presence and activities of terrorists, human trafficking, commercial alien smuggling operations, document fraud, and drug trafficking, and many important aspects of their work have been successful. Just recently, for example, we were able to applaud Operation Predator, which was able to bring in 5,000 arrests in 2003 on the question of those who were non-citizens who've come into this country and who have been predators against our children. Also, for instance, ICE investigators conducted an eight-month investigation last year of two men who were selling false identity documents to members of terrorist organizations. The ICE investigators developed such a strong case against these individuals that they pleaded guilty on February 28th 2005 to the charge of involvement in the conspiracy 
to sell false documents to purported members of Abu Sayyaf, a Philippine-based group that had been designated as a foreign terrorist organization. The Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act of 2004 authorized 800 new ICE investigators for fiscal year 2006 through fiscal year 2010. The president's budget only requests funding for 143 new ICE investigators for FY 2006, which is only 17% of the authorized number. We need all 800 additional ICE investigators authorized by the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act. And with a little lightness, Mr. Chairman, maybe the administration was simply trying to tease us, to egg us on, to see if we had the stomach to do what is right. And that means we need to fully fund the 800 additional ICE investigators. Let us take the bait, if you will, accept the challenge, and do what we need to do. And then she went on and said the National Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act also authorized 8,000 new detention beds every year from FY 2006 through 2010. The president, however, has requested funding for only 1,920 beds for FY 2006, which is only 24% of the authorized number. Mr. Chairman, I know you're headed to the border, at least a portion thereof. I've spent some time at the border with Congressman Ortiz. I saw what was needed and the crisis. Hard-working men and women who understand the needs of securing our border, but most importantly, understand the needs of retaining those who have entered the country illegally. They cannot do their job without full funding of the detention beds, and she goes on. And now where are we? Where are we? I want to know why no one on the Republican side has even uttered the two words, interior enforcement. All we hear is border patrol. Border Patrol will not clean up the mess created by the Biden administration. I have only one possible explanation. They don't want the mess cleaned up. What other conclusion can we come to? So if you think we can take a a, a break and be happy, no. And by the way, why do they want these people here? It's not just votes. I believe they want to destroy the middle class. They want to destroy wages so people have to go to the government for handouts. I wrote an article a while back where I said that what Biden wanted to do should be called the Overwhelm America Act. That's what they're doing, trying to overwhelm America. And I wrote another article uh, when I wrote about Title um, um, 42 being um, dismantled, and this was back in, in March. Let me just pull up. Bear with me one second here. Darn it. Okay. I called the Title 42 and Chaos on the Border, and I talked about how a no-bid contract was given to an outfit that had never worked for immigration before without competition. They were given millions and millions of dollars, including $17 million for beds that were never used, detention beds. Why? Well, it was interesting because Office of Inspector General did a report about this, and Judicial Watch did an article about that report, It seems that someone who had worked for Biden on the transition team at DHS quit the Biden administration and went to work for the outfit that just right after he went to work for them got the no-bid contract. So Congress is giving billions of dollars to DHS, not a penny for enforcement, but it's all about providing room service and, I guess, three hot meals a day and laundry service and video games. Everyone keeps calling the people coming across the border migrants. They're not migrants. I would recommend we call them clients, clients for immigration law firms and clients for these NGOs, okay? 
Migrant, by the way, is defined in the dictionary as a person who moves from one place to another, especially in order to find work or better living conditions. doesn't mean you have to move across an international border. My oldest son has moved three or four times since he got his engineering degree from one state to another, seeking promotions, better job, more uh, money, and so forth, the American dream. I'm very proud of him and all my other kids. So he would qualify as a migrant. He moves from one state to the other, pursuing his career. Everything is being done to make people forget about immigration. These aren't migrants. We can call them clients, clients from immigration law firms, because every one of these aliens, I promise you, will get lawyers. And I promise you that the goal of the Congress will be to provide free legal counsel to the lawyers, for the aliens. Why? Not because they're worried about the aliens. Lawyers hate to work for free. All they know how to think about is billable hours. So these are clients, okay, besides the fact that they're illegal aliens. We have no idea who they are. It's overwhelming everything from our educational system to the environment. We're concerned about generating enough electricity. Well, everybody here doesn't only need water or sewerage or food. They need electricity and transportation and health care. We are being overwhelmed, and no one has ever asked the Biden administration, how is this good for the average American family? We keep hearing about America first. I don't like that. I don't like to hear America first. Because America first today seems to mean corporate America. We ought to be talking about Americans, the citizens of America first. Americans first. Uh, we've got to sit down with our neighbors. We need to have these conversations because most people aren't getting the truth from the media. Shocker. Shocker. Because I think once people understand the magnitude of the threat that this poses to national security, public safety, public health, the jobs and wages of Americans, the environment, and the education of our children, as Americans, we should all be on the same page. These are not left-right issues. We're about to celebrate Christmas and the New Year. People are going to all get together, and I hope it's a joyous time for everybody. I really do. <clears throat> but please, take the opportunity. If you can, no arguments. This is supposed to be an enjoyable time of year. Confrontation doesn't work, and name-calling doesn't work. But we should be able to find common ground as Americans to do what's in the best interest of our nation and, as a consequence, what's in the best interest for our children and for our children's children, for our nieces and nephews, for our great nation. If you want to do right by America, then we need to start by making our government understand that they are accountable to us, we the people. That's why I always make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please share my articles with as many of your friends as you can. Please send them the link to the podcast of this program if you're so inclined. Knowledge is power. My goal has been since 9-11 providing you with the insight and the understanding of the immigration issue that I've acquired in my decades of involvement with immigration. So that's my goal. Please be part of my uh, bucket brigade of truth and help me accomplish my goal by educating and informing as many of our fellow Americans as possible because, as I said before, democracy is not a spectator sport. Once again, happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. See you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay warm. It's cold out there.